Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. These words from the book of Revelation. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude of people that no one could count. From every tribe, people, language, from every corner of the earth. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes. They were washed in the blood of the Lamb. And they were continually singing their praises to God. This is the very Word of our God then, as it is recorded for us in Revelation chapter 7. Well, Pastor Don answered the question this morning, who are the saints? The saints are people like you. People who confess and believe and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin. You are what the early Christian church called a part of the church militant. We're still fighting the good fight of faith here on this earth. But then, of course, there are the saints who are in the presence of the Lord as we speak. They are what the church calls the church triumphant. You know, as we celebrate All Saints Day this day, day, we picture people like the disciples and the martyrs and leaders from the early Christian church, uh, people for whom churches are often named after, like St. Peter and St. Paul and St. John. These were people who no doubt the Lord worked in their lives in a powerful way to give witness to their Lord Jesus Christ. But on All Saints Day, we also remember the unsung saints. Maybe these people are not known to the world, but they are known uh, to many of you. Uh, They may be your mother or your father who is now in heaven. They may be a part of your family or your neighbors or your friends or even a part of your church family. Fellow brothers and sisters who gave witness to Jesus Christ throughout their life, and they now stand before the throne of God because they confessed and believed and trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know, I'm a person who's always loved history. History. I didn't like history too well in school, but the older I've become, uh, the more I'm fascinating with the stories of people's lives, especially family histories, and local history. Uh, Having been a pastor for many years, I've had the privilege of ministering to many older people and shut-ins. I have listened to their histories. I have listened to their stories. I've heard them repeatedly to the point that some people often call me up and ask me, uh, remind me or tell me what my grandparents told you about our family history. Either I never heard it before, or I can't remember it. So it is that I like to pick up books about the history of different towns in this area. Or look at old maps and plat maps to see where people lived. It used to be that uh, my dad and I mowed the cemetery on the Ridge Road. Uh, And I always found it fascinating mowing the cemetery, reading all of the names 
uh, people like my grandparents and my great-grandmother and uh, other people who belong to our church. To read not only the names, but also to read the dates and to read some of the things that they have written on their tombstone. Many of them confess their faith in Christ even on their tombstone. Either there's a cross or some Bible passage. Of course, there's one guy who's got written on his tombstone these words, I told you I was sick. Uh, sometimes there's even humor at the cemetery. But when I'd finished mowing the cemetery on the ridge, I'd often ask my dad, do you remember any of these people who lived during your generation? When you were little, what do you remember about them? And he told me these fascinating stories about people uh, who were uh, another generation. One such person he told me about was an eccentric woman. Uh, hopefully she's not related to any of you. Uh, but her name uh, is Vi Dazer. And Dad said she was really uh, kind of different. It's his way of saying uh, strange. But he said one day uh, she went to the pastor, who happened to be uh, Carol Bortles' uh, grandfather, Pastor Schwady. And what she asked the pastor was this. She wanted the pastor, Pastor Schwady, to preach her funeral service while she was still alive. Again, she was an eccentric person. I think she worried about what people would say about her after she was gone. I said, so what did the pastor do? And Dad says, well, he didn't preach her funeral sermon. But it sort of reminds me of that, that story that most of you have read about Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn. You know, the two of them are presumably dead. Uh, but... They're alive. They sneak up into the balcony while their own funeral service is going on. Can you imagine what it would be like to listen in on your own memorial service? Well, actually, this very thing happened in, I believe, 1888. A man by the name of Alfred Nobel. Name sounds familiar? His brother died. But the newspaper got it wrong. Alfred Nobel did not die, his brother died, but they put in the newspaper Alfred Nobel's obituary, that he had died. And what they wrote about him wasn't very kind. The newspaper referred to him as the dynamite king. And that he used his, uh, uh, he became wealthy and tremendously rich by inventing a weapon of destruction that had resulted in the death of millions of people. And so the shock of reading his own obituary notice led Alfred Nobel to start a foundation which is still in existence today called the Nobel Peace Prize. Again, it can be shaking experience, indeed, to be able to witness in advance what others would say about you when you're gone. Well, in our lesson for today, in Revelation chapter 7, if you have your Bibles with you and want to follow along, Revelation 7, verses 9 through 17, here we have the Apostle John, a spokesman for God. And what is John doing? 
John is giving us a sneak peek into the future, a preview of things to come. He's literally taking us into the balcony of eternity, permitting us to see and to listen to what's going on with the saints, with those who are already in the presence of God, those who have died in the faith. Now it's important to understand the context of this particular lesson. Here the Apostle John, the last living disciple, is writing somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 to 100 A.D. The church at that time is going through this horrible persecution. Christians upon Christians, thousands of them are being persecuted and killed because of their faith. They're literally being loaded body on top of body on ox carts and they're wheeled outside of the city. And they're dumped into these open graves. And the vultures are picking over their remains. And yet John here is giving us a picture, a preview of what happened to these people. They haven't just died, but now they are in heaven. They are the faithful who did not turn away from Jesus. Again, it's important to remember the context. John writes the book of Revelation not to scare the hell out of people, but he writes the book of Revelation to comfort believers. People like you and me. Again, he's writing to fellow Christians, telling them what is to come. Imagine yourself today on this high balcony, looking down upon this vast multitude of people. People from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And they are standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb. And you hear someone ask this question, Who are these people anyway? And where did they come from? And then you hear this voice. And the voice cries out, These are those who have passed through the great ordeal. Or we refer to it as the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now something really fascinating about this vision that John has given. Notice here, he doesn't name specific individuals. He doesn't name specific great heroes of faith. But rather he speaks about a vast throng of people, both great and small, who when everything is said and done, they have cast their vote for God. And it can clearly be seen, they have put their faith and their trust in Christ. You know, as we heard last week in the sermon, there is a place that God has prepared for us. A mansion in heaven that He gives to those who have faith alone in Christ. This means that God has provided this scene of what we see here by virtue of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, it's true that no one can predict or select the kind of tribulation that we will endure. Again, John first wrote these words uh, to Christians who had faced this fiery persecution. 
These brothers and sisters that he's referring to here, they refused to bow down to the Roman Empire. Specifically, they refused to bow down to the emperor. People like Nero. Nero was not a nice guy. Nero literally would round up Christians and he would have them painted with pitch and tar and he would have them lit on fire to provide fire and entertainment for his garden parties. You know, we live in an age today when it is becoming more and more difficult to be a Christian. Some people in some circles of government are pursuing as we speak to have Christians rounded up and arrested for hate speech. Hate speech. If they speak the Word of God. And if they call sin, sin. I mean, who would have ever thought that we would have reached this point in our history? Each and every age has had its own challenges. But whatever the shape, whatever the form of that tribulation, is that people, a vast throng of people, are there in heaven who have remained faithful to Christ. They are faithful. They have been saved by God's grace alone. They are faithful. They have not turned aside in apathy or in hate, but they have persisted in the teaching and in the Word of God. Now there's another Bible passage in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you, but maybe some of you here today had that as a confirmation verse. Anybody have Revelation 2, chapter 10? Anybody know what Revelation 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 10 says? It says this, John says, Be thou what? Be thou faithful until death, and I will give you a crown of everlasting life. Again, those who come through these ordeals, our brothers and sisters who have gone on before us, or even we ourselves, they come through these tribulations and these ordeals, they emerge not as conquerors in their own right, but they come through them because of what Christ has done for them. You know, the Apostle Paul really knew what he was talking about in Romans chapter 8. Remember what he says there? He says, you know what? We are more than what? Conquerors through Him who loved us. For neither life nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor principalities, nor anything else can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Who are these people? And where did they come from? The question today is, who are you? And where do you and I come from? See, it seems to me today that now is the time, if ever there was a time, for us to more boldly and daily confess our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. Today is the time, if ever there was a time, that Jesus Christ must have first place in our heart and in our lives. But you know, having said that, there are sadly many, even in the Christian church, who are hesitant to do that. Why? It's because a lot of people today are caught up in the struggle of being more in love with this world and the things in this world 
rather than matters pertaining to their salvation. And then, of course, you know, we have this fight going on between our own sinful self. Human reason always is getting uh, at us, hammering away, trying to get us to doubt the promises of God. Trying to get us to doubt what is happening in heaven at this very moment. Before your life is over, John is saying to you today, uh, you could possibly go through a great ordeal. But he also says this, the end of your life. The end of your life as a child of God, you will enter a life described here in the book of Revelation. So I'm just about done here, but two things. John describes this life that the saints enjoy today. First of all, it will be a most joyous celebration. A celebration that is beyond imagination. As people literally will be in the streets crying out, victory belongs to our God. Victory to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God. Imagine a victory celebration. Last week, some of you witnessed a victory celebration in Chicago. Five million people rooting on the Cubs. Who would have ever thought it? And yet, that victory celebration can't even hold a candle to what our saints are enjoying today. Secondly, it will be a time in heaven when we have the privilege to minister and serve God. The form of this service is not spelled out, but the parable that the Lord taught about the talents. You know, those who were faithful in the use of their God-given talents, their time and their talents and their treasures, will be given an even greater responsibility in the kingdom of God. None of this floating around on cloud nine for rest of eternity. So this day we remember those who have been called home. Our mothers, our fathers, grandparents, aunts and uncles, fellow church members. It's never easy to lose a loved one. But they're not lost. As I tell people at funeral victory celebrations all the time, they have arrived. And they are enjoying eternity as we speak. We miss them, but we know that we will see them again. So keep that picture in your mind's eyes. Today, they are standing before the Lamb and in front of their God, crying out, Salvation belongs to our God. And keep this in mind as well. As you picture that, keep your faith ever growing. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He indeed is the very author and perfecter of your faith. And your lives and your times are in His hands. Today, tomorrow, and for all eternity. In His name we ask it. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this wonderful word of encouragement that You give us today. Sometimes as we see with what's happening with the politics and the elections in our nation, we're just sick of it. And we, Lord, uh, would say to You, you know, Jesus, if You decide to return uh, today, that would be great. But Lord, we know that there are still people who do not know You. And, and Lord, we know that You still have 
a job for us to do. As difficult as it is, help us, Lord, to lift high and to hold high the cross. Help us, Lord, give us Your Spirit to help us speak boldly that You came into this world to live and to die for sinners such as us. You came to seek and to save us. And Lord, You know that uh, You want us to be a part of that awesome message of salvation as well. So help us, Lord, to do that this week in everything that we say and do. And all of God's people said, Amen.